Chapter Two of the Island Queen. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rachel. The Island Queen by R. M. Ballantyne. Chapter Two. Wrecked on a Reef. The coral reefs, which in various shapes and sizes stud the southern seas, are sometimes rendered almost unapproachable by the immense waves which fall upon them. Even in the calmest weather these huge breakers may be seen falling with prolonged roar on the beach. The lightest undulation on the sea, which might almost escape observation away from the land, takes the form of a grand quiet billow, as it draws near to an islet or reef, and finally, coming majestically on like a wall of rolling crystal, breaks the silence suddenly by its thunderous fall, and gives to the sands a temporary fringe of pure white foam. To ride in on the crest of one such roller, on a piece of board, and leap upon the shore, is a feat peculiar to South Sea Islanders who are trained to the water from earliest infancy. To do the same thing in a small boat without oars, without strength, without experience, almost without courage, is a feat that no South Sea Islander would attempt, and the necessity for performing which might cause the hair of any Islander's head to stand on end. That Dominic Rigonda's hair did not stand on end, as he sat there with pale cheeks and compressed lips, was probably due to the fact that he had thrust his straw hat tightly down on his brows. As the boat drew near to the reef both Pauline and Otto had risen, in the strength of their hearty meal, and were now seated on the thwarts of the boat. Their brother had selected the thickest floor-plank, and cut it roughly into the form of an oar with a clasp-knife. He now sat it over the stern, sculling gently, very gently, however, for he reserved the little strength that remained to him for the critical moment. The undulations of the sea which had rocked them hitherto so softly had by that time assumed a decided form and force, so that the boat rose on the oily back of each billow that passed under it, and slid back into a watery hollow, to be relifted by each successive wave. "'You look very anxious,' said Pauline, clasping her hands on her knee and gazing earnestly into her brother's face. "'I cannot help it.' returned Dominic, curtly. "'Is our danger, then, so great?' Dominic only half admitted that it was. He did not wish to alarm her, and tried to smile as he said that the struggle would be brief. It would soon be over. "'But tell me, where lies the danger?' persisted Pauline. "'I do not quite see it.' "'Where ignorance is bliss, dear, tis folly to be wise,' returned Dominic, with an unsuccessful effort to look more at ease. "'Nay, brother, but I am not ignorant that danger exists, only ignorant as to the amount and nature of it. Surely there cannot be much risk in pushing our boat through that white foam that lines the shore with so soft a fringe.' "'I should think not,' broke in the pert and inexperienced Otto. "'Why, Pina,' thus he abridged his sister's name, "'there is as much danger, I should think, in pushing through a tub of soap-suds.' "'Come, Dom,' returned the girl, "'explain it to me, for if you don't point out where the danger really lies—' If you leave me in this state of partial ignorance, I shall be filled with alarm, instead of bliss, from this moment till we reach the shore. "'Well, well, sister,' said Dominic, when thus urged, "'if you must have it, I will explain.' He went on to show that when the boat came near the shore the waves would grasp it, instead of letting it slip back, would carry it swiftly in on their crests, so that the great difficulty in such a case would be to keep the boat's head pointing to the land, and if he failed to do so they would infallibly be overturned and have to swim ashore. "'Well, that would be unpleasant, Dom,' said the ignorant, as well as innocent, Pauline, 
but it would not matter much, for we can all swim, thanks to you for teaching us long ago. We will try our best, said Dominic, who thereupon relapsed into silence, wisely resolving to let his sister retain all the bliss of ignorance that was possible under the circumstances. Indeed, there was not much more time for conversation, for the power of the waves was beginning to be felt by the little craft, and the clumsy oar did not act with as much precision or force as was desirable, while Dominic's weakness rendered the steering difficult. Pauline now began to realize the danger somewhat more clearly from experience, and even Otto showed symptoms of surprise that amounted very nearly to alarm, as the boat at one end made a sudden rush on a wave-top, as if it meant to try a race with it, and then as suddenly slipped back into the hollow behind, as if it had been disheartened, feeling that there was no chance. At last they reached the point of greatest danger. The huge waves, as we have said, commenced out at sea in long, gentle undulations. Nearer the shore they advanced in the shape of glassy walls one after another, like successive lines of indomitable infantry in time of war. Further in the tops of these waves began to gurgle and foam, and gather real, instead of seeming, motion, as they rushed towards their fall. It was here that the boat showed symptoms of becoming unmanageable. "'Why, the water's beginning to boil!' exclaimed Otto, in some anxiety. "'Hold on, boy, and keep quiet,' said his brother. As he spoke, the water gurgled up so that it seemed as if about to pour inboard all around. At the same time the boat made a rush shoreward as if suddenly endowed with life. Dominic struggled manfully to keep the stern to the sea. He succeeded, but in another moment the boat slipped back. It had not been fairly caught, and the wave passed on to fall with a roar like thunder a hundred yards or so ahead. "'The next will do it,' said Dominic, with an anxious glance behind, where a crystal wall was coming grandly on, unnaturally high, it seemed to them, owing to their position in the hollow. "'No need to tell Otto how to hold on. No need to explain difficulty or danger to Pauline.' As her brother stood at the oar, quivering as much from weakness as exertion, she understood it all. But she was brave and she could swim. This latter fact lent her additional confidence. Best of all she had faith in God, and her spirit was calmed, for whether life or death lay before her, she knew that her soul was safe. As Dominic had prophesied, the next wave took them fairly in its grasp. For a few moments the water hissed and gurgled around them. The steersman seemed to lose control for a second or two, but quickly recovered. Then there was a bound, as if the boat had been shot from a catapult, and the billow fell. A tremendous roar, tumultuous foam all round, increasing speed. The lad appeared to be rushing at them, when Dominic's oar snapped suddenly, and he went overboard. A shriek from Pauline, and a shout from Otto, rose high above the din of raging water, as the boat broached to, and hurled its remaining occupants into the sea. Even in that trying moment Dominic did not lose presence of mind. He could swim and dive like a water-rat. Pushing towards his brother and sister, who were heading bravely for the shore, he shouted, "'Dig your fingers and toes deep into the sand, and hold on for life if—' he corrected himself, "'when you gain the beach.' It was well they were forewarned, and that they were constitutionally obedient. A few minutes later, and they were all swept up high on the beach in a wilderness of foam. The return of that wilderness was like the rushing of a mill-race. Sand, stone, sticks, and seaweed went back with it in dire confusion. Prone on their knees, with fingers and toes fixed and heads down, the brothers and sister met the rush. It was almost too much for them. A moment more, and strength as well as breath would have failed. But the danger passed, and Dominic sprang to his feet. "'Up, up, and run!' he shouted, as he caught Pauline round the waist and dragged her on. Otto needed no help. 
They were barely in time. The succeeding wave roared after them as if maddened at having lost its prey, and the foaming water was up with them, and almost round their knees, ere its fury was quite spent. "'Safe!' exclaimed Dominic. "'Thank God!' murmured Pauline, as she sank exhausted on the sand. "'Never fear, lad,' said his brother, in reassuring tones. "'She'll soon come round.' "'Lend a hand to lift her.' They bore the fainting girl up the beach and laid her in a grassy spot under a bush. And now Dominic was glad to find that he had been mistaken in supposing that the coral reef was a mere sandbank, destitute of vegetation. Indeed, before landing he had observed that there were a few trees on the highest part of it. He now perceived that there was quite a little grove of coconut palms, with a thicket of underwood around them, which, if not extensive, was at all events comparatively dense. He pointed out the fact to Otto, who was chafing his sister's hands. "'Aye,' responded Otto, "'and the island on the other side must be a goodish big one, for I caught a glimpse of it through the trees as we came rushing in on that monstrous wave.' In a short time Pauline recovered, and Dominic returned to the water's edge with Otto. "'Our first care must be,' he said, "'to save our little boat if we can, for it is the only means we have of escaping from this island.' "'Escaping?' repeated Otto, in surprise. "'I don't want to escape from it, Dom.' "'Indeed, why not?' "'Why, because I've dreamed about being cast on a desolate island hundreds of times, "'and I've read about Robinson Crusoe and all the other Crusoes, "'and I've longed to be cast on one, and now I am cast on one, "'so I don't want to escape. "'It'll be the greatest fun in the world. "'I only hope I won't wake up as usual to find it's all a dream.' "'Dominic laughed, not scornfully by any means, at the boy's enthusiasm. "'Nevertheless, he had a strong sympathy with him, "'for the period had not passed so long ago.' when he himself had entertained a very vivid impression of the romance of such a situation, and he did not trouble his mind about the stern realities. "'I sincerely hope it may come up to your expectations, Otto, my boy. Nevertheless, we must secure the boat for fishing purposes, even though we don't try to escape in it. For fishing? Why, we have neither hooks nor lines. True, lad, but we have got fingers and brains. It strikes me that we shall have occasion to use all our powers and possessions if we are not to starve here.' for the reef seems to have very little vegetation on it, and there is sure to be a lagoon of water on the other side, separating it from the island beyond. "'I wonder if there is fresh water on the reef,' said Otto, with a very sudden look of solemnity and pursing of the mouth. "'You may well ask that. I hope there is. We will go and settle the point the moment we have secured the boat, if—' He stopped, for he saw at that moment that the sea had taken good care to secure the boat to itself as a plaything. Having dashed it into small pieces, it was by that time busily engaged in tossing these about among the foam, now hurling the splinters high upon the shore, anon sending up long watery tongues to lick them back, and then casting them under the incoming rollers, to be further reduced into what is usually styled matchwood. There was a small bay close at hand, where the sandy beach was strewn with rocks, in which the sea appeared to play this game with unusual vigour. It was a sort of hospital for marine incurables, into which the sea cast its broken toys, when tired of smashing them up, and left them there to rot. Regarding this spot with a thoughtful look, Dominic remarked that the wreck which lay on the rocks off the tail of the island was by no means the first that had taken place there. "'And won't be the last, I fancy,' said Otto. "'Probably not. Indeed, from the appearance of this bay, and the fact that an ocean current drifted us towards the spot, I should think that the island is a particularly dangerous one for vessels.' but come on, we'll go see how Pina gets on, and then proceed to examine our new home. Returning to the place where Pauline had been left, they found the poor girl wringing the water out of her dress. 
The news of the fate of the little boat did not seem to affect her much, she did not fully appreciate the loss, and was more taken up with the idea of thankfulness for deliverance from death. "'May I not go with you?' she asked, on hearing that her brothers were going to search for water. "'Certainly. I thought you might perhaps prefer to rest and dry your clothes in the sun,' replied Dominic. "'Walking will dry them better,' said Pina. "'Besides, I have quite recovered.' "'You're a plucky little woman,' said Otto, as they set off. "'Isn't it nice to be here all by ourselves, on a real uninhabited island, quite fit for Robinson himself? Who knows but we may find Friday in the bushes?' "'Wouldn't that spoil it as an uninhabited isle? A little, but not much.' "'The thicket is too small to contain anything with life, I fear,' said Dominic, whose anxiety as to food and drink prevented his sympathizing much with the small talk of the other two. "'Luckily the weather is warm,' he added, "'and we won't require better shelter at present than the bushes afford, unless a storm comes. Ho! what have we here? A path!' They had reached the entrance to the thicket, and discovered what appeared to be an opening into it, made apparently by the hand of a man. "'Nothing more likely,' said Pauline. "'If so many wrecks have taken place here, as you seem to think, some of the crews must have landed and perhaps lived here.' "'Ay, and died here,' returned Dominic, in a grave, low tone, as he pointed to a skeleton lying on a spot which had once been cleared of bushes, but so long ago that the vegetation had partly grown up again. The man whose bleached bones lay before them had evidently perished many years before. On examination nothing was found to afford any information about him, but when they had advanced a dozen yards further they came upon six little mounds, which showed that a party, probably a wrecked crew, had sojourned there for a time and finally perished. So far their story was clear enough. One by one they must have sunk, until the last man had lay down to die and remain unburied. Pushing past these sad evidences of former suffering, and feeling that the same fate might await themselves, they came to a sight which tended slightly to restore their spirits. It was a pool of water, of considerable size, whether a spring or a rain-pool they could not tell. Neither did they care at that time, for the sudden feeling of relieved anxiety was so great that they ran forward as if under one impulse, and lying down on their breasts, took a long, refreshing draught. So powerful was the influence of this refreshment and discovery on their spirits, that they became totally regardless and forgetful for the moment about food, all the more that, having so recently had a good meal, they were not hungry. "'I was sure we would find water,' said Otto, as they continued to explore the thicket, "'and I've no doubt that we shall find yams and plantains and breadfruits, and aren't these the sort of things that grow wild on coral islands, Dom?' "'Yes, but I fear not on such a little scrap of reef as this. However, we shall not be quite destitute, for there are coconuts, you see, though not many of them.' come our prospects are brightening and as the sun is beginning to sink we will look out for a suitable camping-ground as far away from the skeleton as possible please said otto surely you don't suppose it can hurt you said pauline N no of course not but it would be unpleasant to have it for a bedfellow you know so the further away from it the better as he spoke they emerged from the thicket at the end opposite to the spot where they had entered and had their spirits again powerfully cheered by coming suddenly into a blaze of sunshine for the bright orb of day was descending at that side of the islet and his red resplendent rays were glowing on the reef and on the palm-trees they also came in full view of the islet beyond which they now perceived was of considerable size and covered with vegetation but as dominic had suspected separated completely from the reef or outer isle on which they stood by a deep lagoon splendid exclaimed pauline as i feared muttered dominic and no means of reaching it pooh didn't robinson crusoe make rafts said otto at least if he didn't somebody else did and anyhow we can 
"'Come, let us continue our walk,' said Dominic. "'You don't fully appreciate the loss of our boat, Otto. Don't you see that, even if we do build a raft, it will at best be a clumsy thing to manage, and heavy to pull, slow to sail, and bad to steer, and if we should chance to be on it when a stiff breeze springs up from the land we should probably be driven out to sea and lost, or separated if Pina should chance to have been left on the shore at the time.' "'What a fellow you are, Dom, for supposing chances and difficulties and fancying they cannot be overcome,' returned Otto, with the pert self-sufficiency that characterized him. "'For my part, I rather enjoy difficulties, because of the fun of overcoming them. Don't you see, we three can make quite sure of never being separated, by never going out on our raft except together, so that we shall always enjoy ourselves unitedly, or perish in company. Then we can easily get over the difficulty of being blown out to sea, by never going on the sea at all but confining ourselves entirely to the lagoon, which is large enough for any reasonable man, and maybe larger than we think, for we can't see the whole of it from where we stand. Then, as to sailing and rowing slowly, we can overcome these difficulties by not being in a hurry, taking things easy, you know. To this Dominic replied that there was one difficulty which his little brother, with all his wisdom and capacity, would never overcome. And what may that be? demanded Otto. The difficulty of being unable to talk common sense. Truth. Dom, true, that is a great difficulty, retorted the boy, with deep humility of aspect. For a man's conversation is greatly affected by the company he keeps, and with you as my only male companion I have not much to hope for in the way of example, but even that may be got the better of by holding intercourse chiefly with Pina. But what if I refuse to talk? said Pauline, with a laugh. Then you will be all the more able to listen, sister mine, which is the most common-sense thing that you can do, except when Brother Dom speaks said the incorrigible boy they had seated themselves on a bank while thus conversing and from their position could see over a considerable portion of the lagoon suddenly dominic pointed to an object a long way off which was half concealed by the shadow of an island does it not look like a canoe he asked eagerly can't make it out at all said otto shading his eyes with his hand the sun on the water dazzles one so observed pauline that it is difficult to look steadily in a few moments the object which had drawn their attention sailed out from under the shade of the island, and breaking up into fragments, rose into the air, proving itself to be a flock of large aquatic birds which had been swimming in a line. "'Things are not what they seem,' observed Pauline, rising and following her brothers through a little thicket. "'What a pity!' exclaimed Otto. "'I was in hopes it was a canoe full of savages. It would be such fun to have a real Friday to be our servant.' "'More likely that our Friday would kill, cook, and eat us if he could,' said Dominic, to the surprise of Otto, who gave it as his opinion that savages never ate men, and asked if his brother really believed that they did. "'Indeed I do. We have it recorded by all the best authorities that South Sea Islanders are given to this horrible practice. There can be no doubt about it whatever, and the less we see of these fellows in our present defenceless state, the better.' "'How little,' said Pauline, "'our dear father thought when he wrote for us to go out to him in his ship.' that we should be cast on an unknown island and the ship itself go to the bottom little indeed and as little did poor mother dream of such a fate returned dominic when she let us all go so readily on the understanding that we should give father no rest until we had got him to give up business quit java forever and return home dear old mother said pauline i wish oh i wish so much that we had not left her even though it was to be for only a few months she must be so lonely with no one to talk to you forget Pina. Forget what? The cat, returned Otto, unable to repress a smile which rose in spite of the ready tear that dimmed his eye at the mere mention of his mother. You know the cat is her great resource, a sort of safety valve. 
Sometimes when I've been listening to her, lying on the rug at her feet half asleep, I've heard her talk to that cat as if it really was a human being, and tell it all about her little affairs and daily troubles and worries in quite a confidential tone. I've taken it into my head that that's mother's way of thinking aloud. She thinks at the cat for company, and to do the brute justice, it does its best to accommodate her. I've seen it sit and stare at her by the half hour at a time. I'd give a little purr or meow now and then as if it wanted to speak. I'm quite sure it thinks, and wonders, no doubt, what idle, useless work it is to click knitting needles together by the hour. Dear me, Otto, said Pauline with a laugh, I had no idea that you could think so much about anything. Think, exclaimed the boy indignantly. Do you suppose that it's only stern-browed, long-legged fellows like Dom there who can think? Why, I think, and think sometimes, to such an extent that I'd nearly think myself inside out. But, Pina, you don't know half as much about Motherkin as I do, for when you are with her she usually forgets herself, I can see, and talks only about the things that interest you, whereas when there's nobody present but me she counts me for nothing and lets me do pretty much what I like, because no doubt she thinks I'll do that whether she lets me or not. But she's wrong, for I love her far more than she thinks. And then it's when I'm quiet and she forgets me, I fancy, or thinks I'm asleep that she comes out strong at the cat. Darling mother, said Pauline musingly, I can see her now, in my mind, with her neat black cap and smooth braided hair, and gold spectacles as plain as if she were sitting before me. "'I'm sorry to destroy the vision, Pina, on my own account as well as yours,' observed Dominic. "'But it behoves us now to look for a night's lodging, for the sun is sinking fast, and it would not be pleasant to lie down on the bare ground, shelterless, fine though the climate is. Come, we will return to the place where we landed, and search for a cave or a bit of overhanging rock.' The best sleeping-place that they had up to that time discovered was undoubtedly the grove in which they had found the graves of the shipwrecked crew, but, as Otto truly remarked, it would probably result in uncomfortable dreams if they were to go to sleep in a burying-ground alongside of a skeleton. Accordingly they returned to the beach, and sought for some time among the debris of the boat for anything useful that might have been washed up, but found nothing. Then they went along shore in the direction of the wreck which had raised their hopes so high that day when first seen but nothing suitable was discovered until they rounded a low point of rocks, when Pauline came to a sudden pause. "'Look! A golden cave!' she exclaimed, pointing eagerly to a grassy spot, which was canopied by feathery palms and half enclosed by coral rocks, where was a cavern into which the sinking sun streamed at the moment with wonderful intensity. Their home for that night obviously lay before them, but when they entered it and sat down their destitution became sadly apparent no beds to spread, no food to prepare, nothing whatever to do but lie down and sleep. "'No matter, we're neither hungry or thirsty,' said Dominic, with an air of somewhat forced gaiety. "'And our clothes are getting dry. Come, sister, you must be weary. Lie down at the inner side of the cave, and Otto and I, like faithful knights, will guard the entrance.' "'I—I wish,' he added in a graver tone and with some hesitation, "'that we had a Bible, that we might read a verse or two before lying down.' "'I can help you with that,' said his sister eagerly. "'I have a fair memory, you know, and can repeat a good many verses.' Pauline repeated the twenty-third psalm in a low, sweet voice. When she had finished, a sudden impulse induced Dominic, who had never prayed aloud before, to utter a brief but fervent prayer in thanksgiving. Then the three lay down in the cave, and five minutes later were sound asleep. Thus appropriately did these castaways begin their sojourn on a spot which was destined to be their home for a long time to come. End of chapter 2